may be seated. I would like to invite Wally Palm to come up front. Wally is here. Um, over these weeks, we started it last week, we're beginning to wonder and think about what's possible here at Mount Olivet. And um, Wally is here to share his story, his story of faith and his story about what he sees as possible. Wally, thanks. Thanks, Beth. So I'm Wally Palm, and Randy and I and our family came here to this community in 1995. We've been here ever since, except for three years when we lived somewhere else. Why did we come here? Well, we felt welcomed. We felt nourished by God's word, by the sacraments, and by the wonderful music that we have here. We felt supported through times of uncertainty and doubt, and felt that this was really a place of safety. This is a community where we've been able to get involved, whatever we wanted to do, using our strengths and skills, putting them to work in things like Bible explorers, ushering, communion service, participation in higher grounds, mission trips, and so forth. So that's been true through all that time, and it's grown over time. Think about what's happened since 1995 in our world and here in the church. This has been a place um, where we've been able to come for support when things seem bleak or when they seem scary. We didn't always get the answer, but we certainly got the support, the conversation, the grounding in God's word to give the guidance and the framework to harness our faith to come to a place of peace and understanding. This is a community with God's help that has given me support to change in many ways that I didn't even think were possible. So last week, Beth asked us to think back over the past year and what's changed a lot. Now these changes and many others have demonstrated that there is great resilience in this community. We have roots that were planted 135 years ago, and those roots have provided us with growth and nourishment to all of us, this community. Now, not all these changes have been easy. In fact, some of them, like Joel reminded us last week, have been messy. But we've come through the trials and, these, and grown stronger um, and closer than ever before. We've expanded our community and our com companion congregations, both here and, as we can see this morning, across the ocean. Our benevolent outreach has grown home-free, Northport Elementary, Loaves and Fishes, Prism, Food Drives, so on and so forth. So this is a great community, but we can do more. And this is what gives me hope. This is what energizes me about being here. Now, I have a passion for diversity and inclusion. I've been lucky. I was raised in a community where I had a lot of contact with people from other countries. I've been lucky working with people from many cultures, backgrounds, faiths, and have experienced the value in diversity. So we're diverse. But are we diverse enough? We're on a faith journey, and we say that we're a place where we can be church and be community. But our community is changing too, and it's become more diverse, and we need to look a lot more like it. We can change, and we will change with God's help. This won't always be easy or comfortable, and it might be messy at times, but we can do this with God's great, 
God's grace. We're great at out outreach. Uh, we need to be better at drawing people to us, people who don't look like us or think like us or act like us. We need to continue to be a place that feels to others like it felt to Randy and me and the family when we first came here, welcoming, nourishing, supportive, and safe. And not just to people who look like us or have similar backgrounds or upbringing or origin or orientation. Now what's cool about diversity is that it begets diversity. When people come here and see people that look like them, sound like them, or love like them, and can find friends or teachers or mentors, they're more likely to stay and perpetuate that outreach and diversity. We can do this. Our roots are deep and strong, and we've proven that we can change and grow. We need to get better at being who we say we are, which is a community who practices being church in the world, listening to God and neighbor, pointing to God's active presence, and doing what God tells us to do. And I believe God has told us to be even more diverse, more welcoming, and we can do this. This is what gives me hope and energy. Today's reading is from 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the Wadi Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the wadi, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the wadi Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the wadi. But after a while, the wadi dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there, for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of meal will not be emptied, and the jug of oil will not fail until that 
day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, so that she as well as he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. The word of God, the word of life. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Wally. Buana Yesu Asafiwe. Amen. So today we have this story. And I have been thinking about this story. I've been swimming in this story, and it's so simple, but it's so audacious. It's so convicting, and it has to do with an unknown woman and a scruffy prophet and a jar of meal and a little cruet of oil, and then... God's word. And this simple, audacious, convicting story is gifted to us. It has been told for thousands of years and eventually written down. And it teaches us about trust. It teaches us about giving, about generosity, all for the sake of having faith in our God. So God sends Elijah, this prophet, to Zarephath and says, you know what, Elijah, there's gonna be a, a widow there and she's going to take care of you. Whatever you need, she will provide. And so he comes and there's a widow gathering sticks and he says to the widow, bring me some water so that I might have a drink. And how about some bread, too? The widow is exasperated. She said, I don't have enough. All I have is this little bit of meal and this little bit of oil. And I'm going to take them home with these sticks, build a little fire, and make a meal for my son and I, and then we're going to die because this is all I have. And Elijah has the audacity to look at the widow and say, Do not be afraid. Go and do as you said, but first, can you bring me a little cake? so I can have something to eat. And I wonder how long that eye roll was that she gave him. Like, I'm about to die. This is all I have, and you're asking me to make you a little cake? And Elijah says this, that jar of meal will not be empty, and the jug of oil will not fail. And that woman had nothing to do except trust the heck out of this little prophet and this word of God from a God that she doesn't really know and go make him a little cake and trust that she would have enough. <laughs> 
I want to talk today about faith, I want to talk about trust, and I want to talk about giving. And you guys can give me the eye roll right now, because the minute we talk about money in the church, everyone's like, here we go. And so I'm a little hesitant about doing this, and I feel vulnerable about doing this, because I have been to many talks, oftentimes in churches, where they're talking about generosity, and they make it sound so scripted and easy, like it's a handbook, and all you have to do is figure out these steps and do them, and then it will happen. And oftentimes, pastors get up and they say it like it's easy for them, like everyone do like I do. Well, I'm not able to do that for you because I can't do it like you can do it. I only can do it like I can do it. But I have to tell you this, faith is not a step-by-step -step process. It's experiencing it by trusting it and living it. It's flesh and blood. It's imperfect, but it's also real. And that is the way that I have been able to know and trust in a living God. And I'm never done. I have to go back and be reminded of it again and again. So I want to share my giving story, our giving story for Randy and for me, because it's impossible for me to ask you to trust. It's impossible for me to ask you to invest in Mount Olivet unless I have experienced the same. So Randy and I were married in the Dominican Republic in 2004, and I remember after our wedding, we were sitting and we were having the best, coldest El Presidente beer we have ever had. And if there's something about the Dominican Republic, every single beer is on ice, and it's so cold and it's so good. So imagine this, we were just married on the beach, we were young, and we were talking about our life. What is it that we want to be about? And it was magical. You're on the beach, the sun is shining, we're married, we're in love. And so we begin to write these things down on a little bar napkin. And Randy says to me, Beth, I want to tithe to the church. And it was kind of a mic drop for me. Here we are talking about all these things, and that was Randy's top of mind. And so we wrote it down on a little napkin that what we want to be about in our life is tithing to church. There was other things on the list, too. Now, it's even more comical when you think about this, I had just left my career at Wells Fargo to finish seminary. Randy was on a year sabbatical to teach in the Dominican Republic. So we had no income. 10% of zero is zero. <laughs> but we wrote it down on the napkin and we said, this is what we want to be about as a family. Fast forward three years, I started my work here, my call here at Mount Olivet in 2007. Caroline was just turning one, and little did Randy and I know that 18 months later, 
we would have three kids in daycare. And so we sat down and took out that little napkin and said, this is what we want to be about. And we realized at that point that there was a depth to our lives that we could not see on that beach at the Dominican Republic. And we thought to ourselves, this is going to take some time. It's going to be the inchworm faith, inch by inch and year by year. But I have to tell you, just like that widow, we had to take everything in our lives, like she did with the meal in the jar, we put everything in our lives and we looked at it and we said to each other, what do we see? And then we had to ask ourselves, what does God see? Because God saw something on the beach of the Dominican Republic that we couldn't see in that time. And it was abundance, and it was blessing, and it was messy, and many days completely unmanageable. But somehow we had to trust in that by doing that. And so we decided each and every year to look in that jar, what do we see as we pour our lives, what does God see? And I want to tell you, 12 years later, we're almost there to tithing to Mount Olivet. And I want to tell you that each and every conversation, we don't know what the next year will bring but we're investing in something that we believe so deeply in, and it's this community, and it's God's word that comes to us. It defines us as a family, and it's this faith, this gritty faith, this real-life faith to say, God, what do you see in our lives? It takes pouring your life in a jar and looking at it and touching it and wondering about it and saying, God, whatever I give, how are you using that to bring an enrich fullness of life for all people? Because that God that had the audacity to send Elijah to the widow who had nothing and say, by the way, before you see that scarcity, can you make me a little cake? That same prophet eventually will be the one that cures and raises her son. The person that she gifted to actually comes back into her life to gift her. And I truly believe this is how our God works. He sees this big vision for everyone to have enough. And the joy of this is that you can never fully get it. You're never done. But God takes this little bit that we each have and puts it together for this vision that comes so poignantly to this widow in Zarephath, and I have to say, come so poignantly to Randy and I each and every time we look at that little jar. 
It's about trusting and it's about trying. And I'm going to ask of you this today because I think this is what God is asking us in the story. Take your life, take your budget, take everything about you and put it in a jar, a glass jar, so you can see it. And take some time and talk about it. What do you see? Do you know even how much you give? And then ask yourself, what does God see in that? What does God see that you have to give for the sake of someone else? So your little jar combines with our little jar, combines with all of our jars to be about what God is about in the world. Do not be afraid. Your jar of meal will not be empty, and the jug of oil will not fail. Let it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please stand as we sing.